Didn't even really get started. Glad you made the effort to be here. First off, I want to tell them thanks for our uh, chili and cornbread tonight. Good job on all those that had a hand, had a part in that. Glad you joined us for tonight. It is our kickoff. We're here in person. We're also online tonight of our new Bible study entitled The Grand Scheme of Things. It's going to be a year-long Bible study. Uh, we're going to go through it in all of our classes, all of our ages, our kids, our youth, our adults will be working on versions of the same thing. Uh, we'll start next week in our discipleship groups. There's a place for everybody, so plan to be here. Invite your neighbors, your friends. Plan to be here as we launch off into our Bible study. Tonight's the kickoff, and really I'm going to explain how we got here and what we're going to do in uh, our Bible study. So let me just start off tonight by telling you a little bit about our Bible study. Uh, think about this. We say we love the Bible, and, and I think most people would say that. If you ask folks, uh, they're going to say, yes, we love the Bible, and I think we do, and I think people will say that. We say we value the Bible, and the same thing. I think if you were to ask most people, they would say, yes, I, I truly value the Bible, and I think we do, but however, most of us are ill-equipped in handling the Bible. That sounds like a harsh statement. Stay with me. Uh, most of us are lacking in our knowledge of the Bible, in our Bible knowledge. And I believe that is a fact. And I'll just tell you this. I've never met the person yet who could say, I've got it. I understand it from start to finish. I'm an expert in it. I know it. I don't need to study it any longer. Uh, I, I've got a grasp on it. And so I truly believe as a whole, and for the most part, we are lacking in Bible knowledge. Now, let me just go ahead and encourage you. Don't get mad at that. Uh, don't get upset at that. We're going to start there. I believe we say we love the Bible. I believe we do. We value the Bible. But I think most of us are lacking in Bible knowledge. Now, think about that for just a second. What are the reasons for that? What could be the reasons for that? If that's the case... What are the reasons for that? Well, some folks are just new to it. And you know what? They, maybe they just put their faith in Christ. Maybe they've just uh, attached to a church. Maybe they, they've just begun their journey and they're new to it. And so the, the simple fact is they're just new to it. Maybe they're, they're a younger person. Uh, maybe some other folks would say, well, up until now, there's never been a need. And I, 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 my philosophy is I truly believe if we have a need, most of the time, we take care of that. If there's something you need to do and it's imperative and it's important, I believe most of us will take care of that. And so I think most of us would say, you know what, we've made it pretty good so far. It's been okay so far, and there really hasn't been this need. And so because there hasn't been a need, we haven't taken the time to do that. And so I think a whole lot of folks would say, well, we've made it pretty good this far. Uh, it, it hasn't been a true need. Maybe another reason is we're too busy. And if you think about it, I, I don't know anybody at any age, uh, retired, not retired, uh, that says, you know what, I'm getting everything done I need to get done. Uh, I think all people say, I've got, I have a to-do list, and if I get a third of it done, I'm, I've moved and, and had a pretty good day. Uh, we are busy, and so I think folks would say, I, I'm just too busy. I can't get done what I need to get done. And so that's, that's short, shorted me here in this area. Another reason, and I think this would be a whole lot of us, is we'd say, well, it just seems to be too hard. It's just too hard. I try, 
but I, I can't understand what it's saying. And I read this and I start off and I have good intentions in January, but it, it just seems to be too hard. I, I can't understand it. I can't put it together and it's just too hard. Here's another one. Maybe the reason we, we're in that shape is because we're trusting someone else to tell us what we need to know and when we need to know it. And so, you know what, if I need to know something, they'll tell me. And if I have a question, they'll tell me. And so I don't have to go put the time in. I don't have to invest uh, my, my energy in that because I'm trusting somebody to tell me what I need to know and when I need to know it. And I think that's a whole lot of folks. I'll go to church and some preacher or some Bible teacher or some leader in the church will make sure I need, have what I need to know. And so we're trusting somebody else. And then I think this is the biggest reason. I, and I think all of those are, are true and, and maybe portions of them, some more than others. But I think the biggest reason we find ourselves in that condition is we do not see it for what it is. And, and I think we're missing something there. We do not see it for what it is. This is the word of God. And it is tremendous. And it, it has the guidelines for life. It has the means of salvation the revelation of God. And I think most of us say, well, it's a Bible. Yes, it's God's word, but we're missing how tremendous it is. So here's the problem. And, and I, I don't know I've ever heard anybody say this is the problem, but here's the problem. And then we're going to blow the problem up tonight. We're going to, I'm going to try, we're going to try and remove the problem tonight. Here's the problem. Most of us, have fallen short in our Bible knowledge, our understanding of the, of the Bible. Uh, most of us are, are, are not where we would like to be. And here is the problem, and I'm going to try to blow it up. Here's the problem. The problem is we're embarrassed to say it. And I think that's the fact. We're embarrassed to say, I don't know that. I'm not sure where to find that. I'm, I'm not sure what the Bible teaches on that. And I think most of us are just embarrassed to say we don't know it. Now, here's what we think. We feel like we should know it. Well, do you know my parents? Do you know where I went to church? Do you know how long I've been in church? And we feel like we ought to know it. And so, so we go, well, maybe we don't love God. Because if you love God, you're taking the time to know his word. Or, or maybe I'm a bad person. I'm just a bad person. And so we're just embarrassed to say, I don't know what I ought to know. I don't know what I would like to know. And we're embarrassed to say it. And so here's the deal. We become intimidated to do something about it. We're embarrassed to say, I, you know what? I don't know it. And you know what? And so we become intimidated to do something about it. And I think we have this mindset that we think to ourselves, ooh, if people knew how little I know about the Bible, if people knew, they'd kick me out of the prayer group. They would. They wouldn't let me over there. If they just knew, they, they'd quit letting me play in the church band. If they just knew, and so we're walking around, and we have a big Bible, and we think, we better just fake it. We better just fake it. You say something biblical, I'll say, amen, and we'll fake it. Or I'll post verses on Facebook. That'll throw them off. <laughs> they have to know something. Look at all these, these verses they're posting. And so we're faking it. We're embarrassed to say that that's the issue, and then we don't, we're intimidated to do something about it. That's the problem. And so here it goes tonight. 
And I, I wish the place was full tonight. Maybe somebody is online hears this. Here it goes. Let me just tell you this. I've never heard this. And, and somebody might get mad, but I've never heard this. I'm going to say it. When it comes to knowing the Bible, we are all dumb and we are all behind. Did you ever think that'd be good news? You're dumb and you're behind. Did you ever think that'd be good news? Here's the truth. When it comes to knowing the Bible, we are all dumb and we are all behind. I want us to actually say that tonight so we can get it off our chest. I am dumb and I am behind. I'm dumb and I'm behind. I am. I'm dumber than y'all. I'm dumb and I'm blind and I'm behind. So here's the answer. So start where you're at. So start where you're at. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Start where you're at. Start where you're at. Let me, let me give an example. Let me ask a question. I want you to raise your hand. Does anybody in here know how to overhaul a Chevy short block 350? Anybody know how? Raise your hand. Keep it up for a second. Because I want to I look. All right, there's a few. There's a few. All right. All right, so here's the question. <laughs> so here's the question so Faye why don't you know that why don't you know that a Chevy 350 you don't know how to overhaul it why don't you know I can pick somebody else Susie why don't you know that why don't you why don't you know that here's why you don't know it number one you've never needed to know it somebody else will fix it I don't need to know it or you're driving a Ford or you've trusted somebody else to know it I, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay somebody that knows it, or I'll take it to you. Or, of all the things I'm busy in, that's the last thing I'm going to know. It's, it's a pretty rare occurrence. I need to know that. I've never needed to know that. And so it's going to fall way behind. If you need to know, then what would you do? Now, let me just tell you this. Let me just phrase it this way. So if I told you, if in two months, you could overhaul a Chevy 350. I got a million dollars cash for you. I guarantee you there'll be some wrenches running. There'll be some books flipping. The, the internet would be whirling. We might go to mechanic school. If you need to know, what would you do? You'd find out and you'd know. You start where you're at. You start. We don't go around and say, I thought a lot of Faye Blue till tonight. <laughs> I found out she doesn't know how to overhaul an engine. I, I thought more of her. You start where you're at. You start where you're at. All right, so be sure of this. It is imperative that we know what God's word says. We, it is imperative that you know what God's word says, especially in the day we're living in. False teachers, all sorts of nutty stuff being proclaimed. It is imperative that you know what the word of God says. It's the story of God. It's how we know who he is, what he's like. It's the story of man. It reveals the problem of man, the purpose of man, the future of man. It tells us how God relates to us, what he wants from us. It tells us how to live Sunday morning, Sunday night. It tells you how to have a blessed life, how to have a happy life. We know and see God through his word. And so we must know the word of God. It is time to know the word of God. And so here, here's the deal. So we start where we are at. And maybe you're young here today. Maybe you're in the youth here today. Maybe you're older. You know what? 
we're all done, we're all behind, you start where you're at. Here's another issue. Most of us have never been taught, and, I, and I've seen this and it's progressed, most of us have never been taught how connected the Bible is. Genesis working your way all the way to Revelation. We've never seen how connected it is. We, we pull out a chunk, we pull out a section, we memorize this verse, and we've never thought about why it is connected, why it's connected, why Revelation is perfectly connected to Genesis. And, we, and we've missed the truth that it's all connected. So to answer this, we need to know the Bible. We're going to start where we're at, and we're going to see how connected the Bible is to answer those questions, to move forward tonight, here's our Bible study, the grand scheme of things, the grand scheme of things. Now, I want to show you a verse. I'm going to talk, to, talk about it a couple times. We'll come back to it again. But I want to show you a verse. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, and you can just listen. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Set Christ aside as Lord. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. That means I am and you are, we're supposed to be ready to give a defense. Why do you have hope? Why do you think you're saved? Why do you think this is good news? being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you, that is in you. There is a sister verse to this. Listen to this. There is a sister verse to this, and it's in 3 Peter 3.15. That's not a book. Let me go ahead and tip it off. The sister verse says this. Sanctify... Christ is Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you of the pie recipe that is within you. That's a sister verse. It says, be ready to make a defense for the pie recipe that is within you. All right, let me, let me show you something here. I have seven steps to make a pie. I wrote them out. There's probably more than that, but this is, this is what I came up with. We're supposed to be ready to make a defense for the pie recipe that's within you. That's what 3 Peter 3.15 says. Someone asks you, that's a good buttermilk pie. You should be ready to say, well, let me tell you why. It's got a lot of butter in it. Be ready to make a defense for your pie. All right, so I've got seven steps, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask seven volunteers. We'll just do it one at a time. You're not going to have to talk. You're going to hold a sign, and I'm going to hand up a step, and then y'all are going to say, put them in order. Put the, and there's a number on it, and you can say, here's the order that the pie would follow. So, all right, so if the, my first volunteer, if you'd like to volunteer. All right, this step is a step, the number seven, that's not the order. That's how we're going to identify it. Line the pie pan with the pie crust. So that's, that's step seven. Stand right there with that.
All right, the next step, now this is step nine. It's not the order, it's just the way to identify. It says, let the pie cool. If you'll stand next to Carrie, let the pie cool. Here's number three. It says, put the filling in the crust. These are good pictures, aren't they? Yes, they are. Thank you. Here is number five, mix up the pie filling. That's your step. You'll just stand there next to them. Roll out the crust. That's number six. That's how we identify that. Roll out the crust. That's your step. Bake the pie. That's a pretty good oven. That took me 30 minutes today. That's your step. And then here's step eight. It says buy the ingredients. All right, there they are. I want y'all to take a look, and I want you to put them in order. This, no, these folks out here. Who is the first, what's the first step? Number eight. Eight, if you'll come down here. What is the second step? Six, all right, six, you're right here. All right, if y'all shuffle down. What is the next step? Seven, if you'll step down here, seven. Carrie? Oh, nobody knows who's seven is. <laughs> All right, what is the next step? The Mix up the pie filling. Number five, you're right here. Next step, three. Put the pie filling in the crust. That's number three. All right, the next step. Zero, bake the pie. And the last step is what? Let the pie cool. So let me go through this. Buy the ingredients, roll out the crust, line the pan with the pie crust, mix up the pie filling, put the pie filling in the crust, bake the pie, let the pie cool. I want you to notice something here. The proper order is this. 8675309. That's it. <laughs> All right, thank you. You can stack those on that first row. <laughs> All right, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. That's a good joke. Let me ask you a question. Does the, matter, the order matter? Yes. What if we let it cool and then bought the ingredients? No. Won't work. Can you understand it outside of the order? Now it says bake a pie. I'm like, okay, I, that makes enough sense. But what's in the pie? How'd you put it together? Can you understand it? Will it work if you do not follow the order? So you let it cool, and then you buy the ingredients, and then you roll it out, and then you, it has to be in order. So the order matters, the, the entire account matters, and, and knowing that matters. Now, I want you to hold that thought. We're going to go from there. Keep, keep that thought. From there, here we go. From there, I'm going to introduce a word or an event, and I'm going to need 12 people for this. You can come one at a time in a second. I'm going to introduce a word or event. 
I want you to decide if the next word or event goes before or after it and where it goes in relation to the other words and events. Which one do you need to know first is what I'm asking. Which one informs the other? All right, here's a word. What, does this word go before it or after it? Does this word help me understand it? Do I need to understand this thing first? Twelve words. All right, here we go. Kel, come on. All three of y'all, come on, y'all are good. All right, the first word. I'm just going to, she's going to stand in the middle, and then and from there we're going to sort it out. The first word is sin. All right, so if you'll stand right in the middle with sin, you could repent, but go ahead and do that. <laughs> the next word, you ready for this? The next word is church. Now, I want them to decide, is does church, do we need to know about church before sin or after sin? So you think we need to know about the church or we understand the church after we know what sin is, right? All right, so if you'll stand right here. This one says, heaven, all things made new. You think that's going to be after the church, after we know what sin is, or before it? Heaven, all things made new. After. Think about it, the book of Revelation, that's probably the last thing. All right, so if you'll take that and stand on the end. The next one for Kel is creation. Creation. Tell, where does creation go on this, this deal here? So creation is going to come before sin, right? So we have creation, sin, church, heaven, all things made new. Man, you the man. <laughs> <laughs> He's so glad for that. Where, where does man go? After creation, before sin? After sin? Before sin. All right, you're right there. God. You have to say that an octave lower, God. Very first. So you're saying everything starts with God. In the beginning, God. All right, so you're over there. Atonement or payment for sin. This is kind of complicated. Atonement or payment for sin. Now, where's that going to go? After sin, but before church, you think? Okay, that's where you're at. This is everyone's favorite, Jesus. <laughs> now, this, this could go in several places. Where's Jesus going to go on our scale today? In the beginning was the word. He could be before. He could be. Hold your sign. Face that way. Let me see. We're going to vote. Should Jesus go here? Vote. Yeah. Yes. Should Jesus go here? 
<laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> he is the creator of all things. All right, should he go here? <laughs> okay, Jesus, come on down here. <laughs> it looks like they're going to put you everywhere. <laughs> the law, the law. Where's the law go? After sin? This is tough. Can the sin help you understand the law and the sin help us figure out what we're going to do? Or does the law show us what sin is? The law comes first. Paul said that. All right, you're right here before sin, wherever sin's at. All right, spread out. All right, kings. Israel sought a king like the neighbors had, so they got kings. Where is that going to fall on the timeline? All right, hold yours up, Kel, that way. It's kind of tricky, isn't it? It's going to be after sin. It's going to be after the law, but before atonement. All right, right there. The prophets. The prophets are speaking. Really, there's several places that could fit. Fourth one down. After the fourth, one, two, three, four. What's the fourth? Prophets are speaking. All right, you're out there after man. Death, burial, and resurrection. Where's this go? Before atonement or after atonement? Or before? <laughs> you can hold both of these like this. <laughs> One of those is the other, actually. So, all right, take a look at that. And then y'all can put those down and go to your seat. <laughs> Here's the question. Could we come in and talk about man and have a lesson on man, talk about man, pull out verses on man, but not talk about the creation where man came from and not talk about God, the creator of man? Now, we could do a pretty good job, but you know what? We gain a lot by adding creation to man. Now, could we talk about Jesus and not talk about God? I could give you a pretty good lesson tonight on Jesus. Um, but do you have a better understanding if you start with creation? You start with God. Start with sin. Uh, start with the end or look at the end. Do you see how each of those things informs the other things? And so how crazy is it that we would come in and say, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world and not talk about Jesus is the Lamb, that God provides the Lamb. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. We need a Lamb. Hey, Dad, where's the Lamb? God himself will provide the Lamb. All of those things inform the other things. We have a better picture, a better understanding with all of the things present. Well, the point to our study over this year is to start in Genesis 
and to move in Revelation. Now, it's going to be a pretty fast clip. It's not going to get everything covered, but we're going to do the best we can to put things in order. Why did this happen? Why does understanding this make this better, to, easier to understand? And so our goal is to move across the Bible, put things in order, and then understand our gospel better, our Savior better, our problem better. Each of those things informed by the other things. All right, let's go back to 1 Peter 3.15. Talking to you, and don't answer out loud, always, always being ready, being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you. Now, let me, let me just say this. Most likely, someone's not going to come up. They might, but most likely not. They're not going to come up and say, can you give a defense for the hope that's within you? I'd like to know that. They're probably not going to say that. They're probably not going to run into somebody in class and be sitting there at lunch and say, well, this has happened and that's happened. I don't understand that. Can you give a defense for the hope that's within you? Now, they may ask it in a different way, but most likely they're not going to say that. But here's what they might say. In fact, here's what they're saying in the day that we're living in, right? Why did Jesus die on a cross? Can you explain that? Always being ready to give a defense for the hope that's within you. Why did he die on a cross? Why did he have to die at all? How does that make any sense? Can you say, can you explain why Jesus died on the cross? That's a question they're gonna answer, ask. That's a question they're asking. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Let me, here's another question, and, and it's asked all the time. Does creation matter? How it happened, when it happened, why it happened, does it matter? And if it doesn't matter, why does it not matter? If it does matter, why does it matter? And so folks are not coming and saying, can you tell me this and this, and I see you're so happy all the time. They're probably going to say, well, you know what? I don't understand carbon dating, and I don't understand that the Bible seems to have a contradiction, and I don't know that I can trust God's word here. And if I can't trust it here, why in the world would I listen to it over here? So they're probably going to ask you the question, does creation matter? Is it a gospel issue? And then they're going to look at you. We're going to start talking about pies again. All right, how about this one? Today they might come along and say, talk to me about marriage. Where do we get the idea of marriage? Is it a big deal? Is it a gospel issue? Does it, does it matter? Can we update it? Why couldn't we update it? What happens if we do update it? What does that mean? Here's a good question. Does updating the idea of marriage help somebody to believe? Or does it hinder them from believing? And so they come along and say, I don't like a God that has rules, and I don't like the box I've been put in, and you know what, I want to do this, and who I love is my business, and I've decided to redefine marriage. And we say, well, if you'll accept Christ, we'll do that. We'll make a whole church that, that, that paints rainbows everywhere, and we'll do that if it'll help you believe. Is that how it works? Does that actually help them believe? What if you say there's only one way to be saved, but you've already rerouted the whole definition of marriage? 
Does it matter? That's a question they're going to ask. Jesus. Now, there are lots of versions of Jesus. They're going to ask, what about this version? Isn't any version good? Aren't you narrow-minded to say your Jesus is the right Jesus? You're pretty arrogant because you say your Jesus is the one. What about the Mormon Jesus? What about the Hindu Jesus? What, what about what I've thought about, what I created about the idea of Jesus? Can you be to save with a different version of Jesus? All right, so let me ask, ask you again. So how would we be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is within us? We're going to need to know the connections. We're going to need to know the Bible. We're going to need to know why this matters to that, matters to this, matters to that. So when someone asks us, we can say, here's the deal. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, back where I started, we are all dumb and we are all behind. And what you do now is you start where you're at. Here's what I'll tell you. God will bless the study of his word. Promise you. He will bless the study of his word. God will use the study of his word, and God will use you as you study his word. I will promise you those things. Here's what it's going to take. It's going to take a commitment, it, it, and I think we've gotten the idea that it'll just fall into me or God will impress it upon me at the right time, and we think, you know what, I don't need a commitment here. It's going to take a commitment. It's going to take consistency, I'll, you'll have to participate. You'll have to read the verses. You'll have to think about it. And I'll tell you what, and here's our deal. Miss nine weeks, and guess what? You've missed, mixed the deal, put the crust and do the deal, and you're showing back on the oven day going, I'm putting it in the oven. Like, you don't have anything in the pan. It matters. It's going to require consistency. Let me tell you this. If I could screen this, I would, but I'm saving it for Sunday. If you have influence in the life of kids, your kids, someone else's kids, or grandkids, help them be consistent. You know what? We are, we are knuckleballing our kids to say, come get this lesson, miss 22 lessons, have this, and the world comes down and drops on their head, and we go, well, why didn't you turn out? If you have influence in the life of a kid, yours, or somebody else's, or grandkids, help them be consistent. Uh, starting next week, we'll meet in our classes. There's a class for every age group. It'll be age appropriate to that age group. Be consistent. Be committed. God will bless the study of his word. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. And, and then I look forward to what God will do through this study. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us to a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed now. I'm glad you made the effort to be here tonight. Let's pray. During Father, we come and we're thankful for you. And we're thankful that you're not looking to knock us out, to grind us up, to make us feel bad. But as always, you take us where we are. And if we'll turn to you and submit to you, you'll take us where we're at. And you'll forgive and you'll redeem and you'll restore and you'll renew. And you'll grow us and you'll lead us. And you'll show us grace. And you'll show us mercy and you'll, you'll show us your love. You'll use even sinners, even people like us. And so I pray as we begin this study, I pray that something we've heard, maybe somebody listening online, maybe here in person, that we're tired of the other. We're tired of the normal. And that we would commit. We would plan to be consistent. 
we would listen and we would read and we would have open hearts and minds that you'd be able to take them and use them. I pray for our kids that a foundation is laid that will stand. I pray for our youth, Lord, as they're getting ready to be covered up, already are, but as they're getting ready to be covered up in every piece of mistruth, I pray that, Lord, the foundation is established, that it stands, that they grow in your truth, and that they exist as your witness. And then I pray for our adults. And, and what a weird thing it is to say, Lord, I don't know anything and I'm way behind, but I want to know you, and I want to know your word. And I ask that you start here and start with me right here. And I pray that you bless that. I know you will. And I pray the fruit of that is we'll look back after this year and we'll be closer to you and we'll be more obedient and our hearts will look more like yours and our language will be more like yours and our business will be pleasing to you and our responses wouldn't tear up your name but would hold it up. And I pray that the fruit of this would bring glory to you. We thank you for the opportunity. We trust it to you. And I pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad you're here. You're dismissed.